0: athlete, parent, or spouse, because of it.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast. This is your host, Dr. Amber Selke, where we are in season three, entitled Lead to Win. And do we have a winner here with us today? In just a few moments, we are going to welcome onto the show Notre Dame football head coach Brian Kelly. Um, As many of you know, I've had the opportunity to work with Coach Kelly starting in January of last year, where we really uh, put into practice everything that I share with you every week on Selking Performance Group, where we we really focus on understanding and leveraging the power of mindset and leadership to unleash performance excellence. And Coach Kelly and I uh, began our work together one-on-one. one just really looking at what is brain science? How does it impact performance? How do we look at it from a systems level? And so he and I are going to share with you a little bit more about our work. So you can see it applied specifically in the space of a collegiate football program. But again, wherever you are in your world, whether it's business or your family or your community, take what we're talking about and understand how does this translate and relate to my world so that I can indeed impact the space that I'm in and lead to win. Whatever winning, right, looks like in your space. And in our world, it looks like winning in the lives of the young men that we have the opportunity to work with in the football program and winning on the field and the scoreboard. And so really figuring out what are the dynamics at play uh, as it relates to human performance that we can really understand and integrate into how we run the program and the system and how Coach Kelly communicates and and how we plans and organizes his entire program around again the fundamentals of brain science and and what we know about human performance in general and so I am excited to hear you know his experiences uh, in our work together but also as a leader I mean he's been a head football coach for 27 years and just has a wealth of experiences so so stay tuned because I know you are going to get a ton out of today um, if you have any questions or comments or feedback please send me an email Directly, Amber at Selking and you can check us out on our website at www.selkingperformance.com. And again, from the locker room to the boardroom, helping individuals, teams, and organizations understand and leverage the power of mindset and leadership to drive results. That's what we do here at the Selking Performance Group. And so, we without further ado, I want to get us into the meat of this interview with Coach Kelly. All right. Well, today we have the extreme opportunity to be sitting with uh, my good friend and colleague, head coach Brian Kelly of the Notre Dame football team. Brian, thanks so much for being with us today. Yeah,
2: my pleasure. Looking forward to it.
1: So, Brian, we are toward the tail end of season three of Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast where we're talking about lead to win. And so the modeling effect and the importance of the the leader as the model and the example. Mm-hmm. Before we dive into your incredible example that you've set for generations of young men over the years, who has been somebody that served as a role model in your life and what impact have they had on you personally and professionally?
2: You know, I get asked that question quite a bit, right? Because they want to hear maybe, uh, you know, Vince Lombardi or Bill Belichick or somebody like that. But you know, I think it was it was my formative years growing up. Um, you know, my school years, uh, going to St. John's Prep in Danvers, um, a prep school, uh, then Assumption College, a Catholic small community, and my parents. They they were you know obviously very formative for me in terms of uh, growing as a person. And then, you know, I was a head coach when I was 28 years old. Mm. So, you know, it wasn't as if I was being mentored by somebody. So I think in answering that question, I think it was probably just real life experiences, um, making mistakes along the way, learning from those. So my best role model has been probably my ability to recognize and adapt my strengths and weaknesses and, and then solicit or go out and get help from those that could uh, help me with those weaknesses.
1: That's incredible. And I think, you know, just through our work together, even just seeing that sense of humility about you to always try striving to get better and to, to go after everything and every opportunity that you have to get better as an individual, but also to help the, the young men and assistant coaches that you've been leading, you know, has is, is been fascinating and awesome to see.
2: Well, that's really, you know, understanding why you're doing it, first of all, is um, making sure that you're a uh, putting yourself in a position where you can continue to lead and continue to uh, provide those that are under your uh, custody uh, the opportunity to grow not only players but coaches and support staff so you know when we talk about um, leading right um, it's important that i'm able to lead in the proper manner and sometimes you've got to get with people that can help you build those skills
1: that's awesome. So actually, when we started our work together, uh, one of the first questions I asked you was, why Why do you do what you do? Why do you coach? And why do you coach at the college level? I mean, you could, heck, you could coach anywhere and do anything. Why yeah. Why do you do what you do, Brian? Uh,
2: the why for me is, um, you know, the development of um, young men. Um, and so I, I think it goes back to your initial question, Um you know, I, I didn't have a particular mentor, uh, but I had many people that influenced me mm-hmm. positively along the way, and I want to be one of those uh, that influences the the young men in my care uh, in a positive manner. So. I'm more interested in them coming back in five years going, you know, maybe I didn't get it then (laughs) in terms of what you were laying down as the process or the traits that were needed. But I get it now. So thank you. And so I think that that's my why. And look, if I just sit around here thinking about the pressure of this job or wins and losses, I have a beautiful balcony out here. Many people can't see it behind you, but I probably would have jumped off that balcony already.
1: Yeah, this is a difficult place to coach. And, and you know, we were talking with the players this morning about you give power to what you focus on. And so if you focus on the pressures and the stresses and all the turmoil, you know, that you bear with, it's, it's probably a lot. But when you focus on that why and, and why do you do what you do, you give power to the right things. Absolutely. So you are the winningest active college football coaches, two times Home Depot coach of the year, three time AFCA coach of the year. Over the last 27 years of leading college football programs, why is the leadership principle of be the example so important to leaders in any domain?
2: Well, I think it starts with, you know, when you open up that book and you begin reading that that novel or that uh, you know nonfiction or fiction book, y- you you want to get a vision for what it's going to be like. You know what what am I reading here? And and uh, so it's important as a leader to 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 come up with a vision uh, for what your program and what you stand for. And it starts with the leader. and um, You know, the old adage of, you know, if you're going to talk the talk, you got to walk the walk. Mm -hmm. Um, So it starts with me laying out that vision for our football program on a day to day basis and and then taking it to, you know, what's our actual mission here? So I think vision and mission is um, what you've talked about many times uh, in in our conversations is the lead in. and, And that's how you begin the process for us.
1: That's awesome. So so you're the example, right, as at the top of this football program. What's, what's sort of the next layer and the critical importance of your assistant coaches mm-hmm. then also modeling the standards of excellence and behavior that, that you've portrayed as or set out as important?
2: Yeah, so uh, many times we talk in, in cliches or we talk in snippets, and, and 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 that's fine, but it's the action within it. So everybody rowing in the same direction is a term we hear all the time. But how do you do that? It's yeah. not. It's not really easy. <laughs> exactly. You know when you talk about that. So. I think it's very important that messaging um, and the proper messaging on a day-to-day basis um, permeates through your entire staff. You can't have mixed messages. You can't have people that are coming up with their own terminology for you know, what the vision is for the program and what our mission is. So it requires staff meetings. It requires constant tuning up, uh, if you will. Um, I need the tune-ups, and those tune-ups are passed on to everybody that we're all speaking the same language, that we're all talking about uh, the things that are going to get us to accomplish the mission.
1: You know, I had the opportunity to sit down with Coach Ara Parsian right before he passed away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things I asked him was, you know, as you bring a new staff together, how do you go about making sure everybody's on the same page? Because time is of the essence in in at your level, right? Mm-hmm. At the college football uh, area and, sure. and really for leaders in any area. And one of the things that he said was there's, there's no duplicate for time mm-hmm. and spending time with your people and that consistency of them learning who you are and your expectations and clarifying that language and so it's it's awesome to hear just you know you're, you're you speak in the same language he is obviously yeah I mean <laughs> if I can be compared
2: in any fashion to error that would be the only one uh he's so <laughs> successful national championships but um you know I think most successful businessmen football coaches uh, whatever you're in uh it's important that you take the time to communicate um, put the phone down. You don't need to text message message anybody. Uh, you don't need emails uh, to be sent around the office. I think that one-on-one, face-to-face communication and clearly articulating. Uh, what that message is, um, is going to get you further. It worked well for Error when they didn't have cell phones and they they weren't emailing. So I think that that says a lot about, you know, why he was so successful. He took the time. And I think sometimes in this world of social media, uh, we think that that is a great way to communicate. It's not necessarily when it comes to getting everybody on the same page.
1: You know, a year ago um, you were coming off of a four and eight season and and heading into what unknowingly would become a 10 and three season ending with a a citrus bowl championship. And we were sitting in this exact office. And, and so as you reflect back on the last 12 months, how do you think you personally have grown or evolved or changed during that time period?
2: Well, I think it goes back to what I said, Um, you know, the the vision was was always there but I think detracting from the mission was probably the thing that um got us in some trouble you know I've had two losing seasons in 27 years and each one was different and this one was that you know we probably didn't follow our process and our process wasn't articulated in the manner that all the things that we've already touched upon our coaches weren't Rowing in the same direction, but it all pointed back to who was not doing a great job leading in and who was not Communicating the message on a day-to-day basis And then I think finally we we probably put more emphasis on talent over traits and how important those traits are in developing the traits Which is part of our mission and obviously our process. So I think focusing on mission process um, not trying to um, uh, get to the finish line too quickly, um, it takes time, it takes work, it's hard. Yeah. And and I think that that was probably the biggest lesson that I learned.
1: Yeah, you know it's fascinating? I think that as leaders, right, and high high performers and high achievers, I mean, we're, we're so driven and we think so fast, and we process so fast, and we get so passionate about winning, right, in everything mm-hmm. that we do, that sometimes we move a little bit too quick for everybody else under us, if you will, or sort of on this journey with us. And, and I think that that's just a struggle for all leaders that we have to really be mindful about what is our process? How do we stay in tune with it so that we can actually achieve what it is that that we're after?
2: Yeah, you're absolutely right. So call it whatever you want, but it was a reset. It was, um, you know, I, it happens to me with my computer all the time. (laughs) You know, I bring in my IT people and (laughs) And what do they do? They unplug the computer, right, and reboot it. So it was a reboot. And so during that reboot, and this is where obviously these podcasts can really help, when you're looking for that reboot or to check yourself and making sure that you're doing the things necessary, um, I think it's important to go back to the basic parameters that we've talked about. Leading in is is a mission and a vision, it's a process, and it's hard for everybody. And if you think you've got a shortcut, you're probably wrong. And that's taken it from somebody who's done it for 27 years.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know, the other thing I think that I see with leaders a lot is when they do go through difficult seasons, people respond very differently, right? In terms of how they approach a challenging situation or season in life. Um, So how did you go about processing that mentally and emotionally?
2: Well, I think at first you look f- to blame somebody. It's yeah. it's the natural reaction to everybody. It's somebody else's fault. It can't be my fault. I've been doing this for 26 years. I know what I'm doing. But as you get a chance to sit back and look at it in its entirety, it always will come back and fall on the shoulders of the leader. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, that after the initial season was over, it was then time for me to find out where the air was coming out of the tire, if you will, in terms of not winning the football games that we needed to. So um, there's a number of things that I did in that process to, to find out where those areas were, and interviews with staff, interviews with players, getting a sense for maybe what are the things that we skipped over um, to not prepare our football team properly. So um, those are some of the steps that I took personally But I think at the end of the day, it's taking responsibility um, for what happens in your program. And once you do that, you've put yourself in a position to move forward. You can't move forward until you take the responsibility.
1: That's incredible. And so after that initial moment, what were some of the, the things that you added to your program or changed in your program during that sort of transformational reset year that you had?
2: Well looking at the total development of our football team and and what is that you know, what what is total development and looking at all the aspects that are needed for our football team to be in a position to uh, be successful Um, and so uh, reemphasizing mission and vision, but more so um, uh, giving our players something that tangibly uh, that they could look at as it relates to process. Okay. I don't believe that our process was well-defined. Um, and, and so uh, we talked about the physical development of our football team, the technical, the tactical, and then the mental development, you know? Um, certainly bringing on uh, high performance training, mental performance training, uh, assisted our football team greatly in that total preparation But I think more than anything else is not having a clearly defined process because, again, at the end of the day, if you're just looking at wins and losses and you're skipping over process, you're not going to build the traits necessary in your football team to win the games um, that we needed to. We lost seven games in the fourth quarter or in the second half of games. So clearly there was something amiss there. And so – I think that that you have to examine it from that perspective.
1: Yeah, that is really powerful in terms of, you know, when things go wrong, champions don't just say, oh, I suck, right, or I'm not good enough. They go back to their process. And without a clear process, it's hard to go back to figure out what went wrong. (laughs) No question.
2: And so I think that that, you know, probably more than anything else, um, you know, in this, this past year, our guys were able to check themselves in the sense that um, there was a much more peer-accountable process in place where our guys could go, am I doing the little things right? You know, how's my attention to detail? Um, You know, all the things we hear with championship performance – Um, we were then able to really build on that with our football team.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, going into year two, I know that it's it's personal accountability and team accountability. And to your point, you know, when you clarify the process, you give them something to actually hold themselves and one another accountable to. It's a lot lot more difficult to shirk the responsibility and accountability when it's really clear what it is we're actually after.
2: Yeah, I think it's a good point. I, I think when we laid that down, it being last year the first time that they dealt with it, it was much more of a conscious competence, right? They had yeah. to think about it every day. Um, they understood it, uh, yeah. but it was hard for them. Yeah. You know, we're trying to get to that, you know, that unconscious competence where mm-hmm. they don't have to think about it, where it's habit forming. And so, this year too is so much more about continuing to be consistent with messaging. Continue to talk about how to process over winning. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think that that now starts to build that that habit forming unconscious competence when it comes to um, knowing how to be uh, winners on a day to day basis.
1: That's awesome. And on that point of accountability, I think when when listeners hear college football coaches talk about accountability and holding kids accountable, their default is, oh, well, that means they for sure just grab them by the face mask and get on them to make them do what it is they want them to do. Talk to us about what accountability looks like in your program.
2: Well, it starts with the individual being accountable. And so we've, we've established a clear standard. Um, look, it's here at Notre Dame, it's God, country, in Notre Dame. That's a pretty high standard. I get that. But there's a standard that our players must meet. And now they clearly understand that when we talk about accountability, it starts with themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've laid that foundation. And now we're at that next stage where now they can start to hold others uh, to that high standard. And if they're not there, why aren't they there? You know, what, what, is, what is the inhibitor that's not getting them to be at that level and so that's where a lot of the work now takes place is what are the inhibitors to get into that level um, that we have set as a standard here within the program.
1: And so how do you go about holding your guys accountable either your staff or or your players when you're when you see them not hitting that standard what's your approach to, to handling or managing that in the moment.
2: Well, we do it in in so many different ways. You know, we have a point competition um, amongst our entire football team Mm -hmm. that takes uh, into account weight room, uh, takes into account classroom attendance, it takes into account discipline in the locker room, community service, and we we set a standard uh, in terms of what we expect from them. And if they're not Held up to those standards, um, then there's different ways to to obviously handle those things. I think everybody understands. Personal discipline is where it starts, and so building those habits, reminding them about them, and holding them accountable. If they've got to get up early one morning and 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 uh, you know do some running or clean the weight room or um, whatever those things are, to remind them about the standard and the habits that we're trying to build, we have to do that. So sometimes it's just a matter of a quick conversation with somebody and reminding them about what the standards here at Notre Dame. Sometimes it takes a little bit more than that.
1: Yeah. And I think one of the things that I've seen you model even on the field in practice, if when things are going wrong, like really wrong, I mean, sometimes people blow up, but I, you know, the approach that I've seen you take a lot too, is like, Hey, come here. What is going on right because particularly when guys that usually do it the right way are not you know just just check in to ask hey what's what's up what are you seeing what are you not seeing what's what's happening in your world and I've started to see you know the players are now starting to respond that same way versus just yelling at each other in in a negative way but more so that hey what's up
2: yeah I think it's a standard of behavior that you're looking for more so than initial action of somebody and and that look it it takes time to develop that eye for when you see somebody that's doing something that's not who they are um i'm going to address that uh if if it if it continues to happen uh on uh, then they're building the wrong habits that's a different conversation that, yeah. that happens at a different time but if we're in a practice format and somebody's doing something that they don't normally do i want to find out what's going on uh, and sometimes you can't do it right in the practice. It, it requires you to walk into the locker room after practice and say, hey, what's what's, what's bothering you? What's going on here? Something's happening because that's not um, the standard that you have set here. So um, you can still be demanding. Um, that doesn't change. Um, but the, the being demeaning or not addressing it individually with a player, um, I don't think you're being a very good role model in that sense.
1: So when, when guys do face adversity or a loss, like what is a quality that you think is important for people being able to bounce back or something you try to instill in your guys when, when they are trying to navigate the highs and lows that come with the demands of, of being a college football player at the university of Notre Dame?
2: Well, like most, they want to know why, right? They want to know why, you know, generally, um, why it didn't happen you know they've trusted the process um they've they've really um given up a lot and sacrifice how why did we not win this football game so i think in a lot of instances is get the why out of the way early okay mm-hmm. sometimes not even address the why and not even address hey you know we had a great week of preparation um it didn't go our way this week. Let's talk about it in, in, on Monday. Sometimes, you know, let the emotions get out of the game. It's, it's an emotional game, whether it's football, basketball, whatever it is, there's emotions involved. Sometimes I won't even touch, you know, the, the, the little things that happen in a game. But generally speaking, they want to know the why. You know, what didn't happen here today? And, and sometimes I'll address it and sometimes I won't.
1: So let's shift gears just a little bit. I'm curious if you could share with our listeners why you decided to add mental performance training into your approach to, to developing your football team.
2: Well, I think it goes back to, um, you know, as I took a deeper dive into our four and eight season, you know, some of the things that were missing were certainly my inability to articulate our vision and our mission and our process. And after I had established that, you, you can't just stick around on that beat and beat yourself up about okay, I did a poor job. What are the other areas that now you need to um, beef up or support? Uh, and I think one of the areas that was pretty clear was that from a, a high performance standpoint or a mental performance, we lacked the mental toughness necessary uh, in certain situations and games to handle um, you know the pressure of the moment, and so. That's when I sought out uh, professionals in that area and yourself to to bring that piece to a a brighter light within the program. Everybody talks about mental toughness, but I don't know if anybody really knows you know what the building blocks are for that. Um, That's why you know it was important to 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 shine a brighter light on how do you get to be mentally tough what are the things that you have to do in the building blocks so i thought that was important piece mm-hmm. um to building back the because the foundation here was pretty solid we needed to do some fine tuning mm-hmm. and then we needed to um uh, emphasize more uh, the the mental performance piece
1: Well, that's one of the things I respect so much about you as individuals. You are so forward-thinking and innovative. I mean, there's not many programs in the country that are really integrating mental performance training into how they function. And one of the things is because, you know, you can see your bicep getting bigger. You can see your 40 time getting faster. It's hard to see your brain being able to focus or refocus more efficiently or being confident. So, you know, what was it, I guess, in your mind that told you, yes, this can be trained. We are going to integrate this in. What, What sort of got you over that? hump that a lot of coaches and leaders across the country struggle with thinking, yes, this is an actual domain that needs to be addressed and applied.
2: Uh, you know, I think what, what happened is, uh, you know, you, d- you try to develop leadership within your program. And then what happened in that four and eight season is that we had four juniors that were being developed to be that next group of leaders um, and mentors all went to the NFL. So it left a, a gap within our program of, uh, leaders that could help uh, with that that mental performance training. I'd always left it up to the development of the players within the program um, to lead by example. And then when we lost a lot of those examples, um, it was time for me uh, to build that in the freshmen and and the sophomores and the juniors and the seniors and not just have it through experience and battle scars. And that's kind of how I had done it all my career. You're going to have enough battle scars. You're going to know what it's like in this pressure situation because you've been there before. Well, you may lose all those guys uh, early and then you don't have anybody that has the battle scars and has learned it through experience. So that's that was the shift. That was the change that we needed to develop that in our freshmen. So we're building that in our entire football team now.
1: That's awesome. Um, and I think too, right, then if we can get them more mature, faster and figuring out how to think right in these moments more quickly, you know, we don't have to, well, when he's a junior or senior, he's going to be a great contributor for us. You Correct. know, I, I think your intent was let's get them up to speed as quickly as we can. And by the time they're juniors and seniors, they're going to be doing different. They're going to be at a different level. And, yeah. and that's awesome. Perspective. I, I
2: think, I think the key word there's think right, you know, <laughs> yeah. getting them to think right. You know, sometimes you know, we've already gone through these examples right now uh, in our spring, is that, you know, some of our best players got too emotional uh, in the crucial times of games. Um, Emotion's fine as long as it is in the proper place, it's channeled the right way, and it brings into um, focus the the traits that you need to be successful. And I don't know that they thought that way. They knew all those things were out there, Mm -hmm. but I think thinking right, is probably the biggest asset uh, that mental performance training brings uh, to the student athlete. And they're smart enough, they get it. They just, they couldn't process all of those things because they weren't thinking right.
1: So, you know, that starts sort of tees up the next question then of what are, what do you think are some of the biggest contributions that have impacted your program since we since we began working together a year ago?
2: Well, I think it starts with awareness. Our guys are so much more aware of how the mental piece plays in the total preparation. They were so focused on maybe their technique or, you know, are they in a good system? Uh, They're bigger and stronger. and, And that will certainly move the needle, but it doesn't complete the total preparation until you bring in the mental piece. And. So I think awareness was was probably number one. I think the second thing was um, our guys, by thinking right, were able to uh, put in their own mind... Uh, powerful statements, Mm -hmm. um, affirming who they were and what their intent was on a day-to-day basis. And so, again, going back to training the brain in terms of, you know, their thoughts, you know, controlling, you know, their emotions and controlling their responses. I think that that, you know, when we come back and circle around in this podcast, it's getting your student athletes to really think right and training the brain in the proper way that brings all this together.
1: I ran into a couple of the guys coming out of the football facility last spring um, before I got married. And they said, you're getting married this, this weekend, right doc? And I was like, yeah, they're like, we're, we're coming to the, that after party thing. And I was like, no, no, you're not actually. And they're like, yeah, we are. Because we have to ask every single person there. And if they don't know that their thoughts affect their emotions that affect their physiological response, we're going to be a little bit disappointed. Yes. And I was like, gentlemen, the only important people that need to know that issue you. So right. you keep right. remembering that and know that. And, and we'll be on a, good trajectory
2: (laughs) and again it goes back to they are anxious all student athletes are in it for wanting to be successful and so it it, to me is the last piece that that needs to really be brought into focus here and and I think we did a better job of it a much better job this year and I think our players are much more comfortable with their foundation and now it can be built on from there.
1: What um, So talk a little bit about our work together just to sort of share what our work has looked like for, for people and sort of how that's manifested and, and you've integrated us in, into the program.
2: Yeah. Well, I think it started with, you know, the end in mind first, and that is what's your mission, you know, um, and even before that, you know, what is the vision of your program? Uh, I think, I think the vision had already been kind of laid down, but really what's your mission and, and what's your process? And so beginning with kind of that sense of, you know, where are we going here and, once we establish that we can articulate that clearly so your players have a much better understanding of of what the process is. I think that that was probably the first step Um, and then you and I on a day-to-day basis kind of um, you know refining that message and and making sure that it was consistent um, clear Uh, and then for our players um, holding them accountable, you know, mm-hmm. to that, um, they asked me to uh, lead them uh, in a manner um, that would put me in a position where I could be in touch with them. Um, much more on a day-to-day basis. So you and I uh, worked on how we were going to take uh, some of the skills that you have, uh, and because I have much more contact than you do, um, that I could take some of that training and help our players with it as well in terms of reminding them about uh, the skills that we were building. And then I think, obviously, your interaction, one-on-ones, units. We met with the defense, the offense, special teams, one-on-one meetings leadership development, all those areas. We broke the football team down um, so they heard it firsthand about what the foundational building blocks were for high performance.
1: Yeah. And you said, you said a couple critical things there. I just want to highlight, right? Kids meet sport of the coach. Employees meet their work at their boss. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's awesome, I think, to have me here and to share this message and to them to hear it through a different lens. But on a day-to-day, moment-by-moment basis, the the coaches and bosses, right, formulate an individual's experience and their learning process. Yeah. And so, you know, by you modeling that, you know, in our work together, and then to your assistant coaches and to the players, I think that takes it from being a tacked on piece to a really integrated way of functioning in an organization.
2: Yeah, I think uh, integration probably is is the hardest thing, but might be the most important. And so how do you you integrate it? Um, you know you take some easy things that can be consistent messages that your staff can continue to put in front of the players well better learned you know things like that you know what do we do well today what can we do better you know what do we learn and you can do that in a defensive meeting Mm -hmm. and 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 now they're hearing that and so now it starts to um embody everything that you're doing you know from a preparation standpoint And it's not just the add on, as you mentioned.
1: The other thing that you said a second ago um, was that these guys want to be led. And I think that that is a powerful statement for everybody to really take away from here. People want to be led. They they want a, a leader who is strong and yet connected to who they are and, and their strengths and their weaknesses and and not beat them over the head for their weaknesses, but rather equip them and train them in ways to bolster them to, to succeed. I mean, I think sometimes we walk out thinking that people aren't passionate about winning, right? And And winning whatever that looks like in your world. That's just being successful and leadership is such a critical driver of that in sport in business in your homes in our communities and so how you've stepped up really and and done that for these guys is a great example to everybody on yeah people want to be first of all people want to be successful secondly people want to be led and finally it's the leaders responsibility to do that and it's been fascinating to watch you but it's just again an incredible example to everybody out there
2: yeah and so many people will ask well okay I want to lead but um, how do I do it right and and it's really simple the first is the presence right you, you have to have a presence you know leadership can not happen in your business if you're in another country and you're not there you've got to be passionate about what you're doing and what you believe in you're gonna motivate people through your passion for what you do um, And then I think it's clear that you have to be able to um, articulate your message and communicate what it is that we're doing on a day-to-day basis. If, If they get those three things... Purpose, I guess, yeah. would be the, if, if we wanted to go with three P's. Three P's, we're on which, it, I love it. Which <laughs> you're
1: picking up, I'm you're coming, I'm,
0: I'm, I'm, coming up,
2: I'm, I'm coming up to your level. Um, but the purpose, right? And, yeah. and, and that's clearly defined with a presence, a passion, and a purpose. Um, anybody can lead in that manner, um, but they've got to be committed to it.
1: That's awesome. So, so let me ask you this, Brian, what, what legacy do you want to leave here at Notre Dame, but also, you know, in this world? What, what's the legacy of Brian Kelly?
2: Yeah, you know, I don't know that, that I have a particular need or want for fulfillment of what I do to have a statue or um, what they say about me at a particular school. I think it's about how I've touched the players under my care. And how they felt they were impacted um, by my relationship with them. So I think that that to me is all I need uh, because that's my why, right? You know, the why is to develop our players. um, And if they come back after five years and go, hey, coach, thank you, um, that's my legacy for me.
1: Well, that brought us full circle. So, on that note, I want to just tail into, dovetail into the last two questions that we ask all of the leaders that we've had the opportunity to sit down with. First of all, when you hear the phrase "lead lead to win," what does that mean as in relation to leading in? Right? We talk about, and you've even referenced this already. Yeah. We got to lead in before we can lead out. So, when you when you hear the phrase "lead to win," what does that mean to you in terms of leading yourself?
2: Well, again, I, th- I think you have to, if you're asking somebody to do something, you've got to be willing to do it yourself. Uh, I think it's that simple. And so um, all the traits that we have built within our football program to help our guys get to their mission, um, we've got to have them as well. You know, They have an expectation that, that we've got an attention to detail in our practice planning and how we're training them. Uh, they've got to understand uh, that we are mirroring um, what we talk about. So lead to win is the ability to mirror what you're talking about on a day-to-day basis by your own actions. And, and then I think, you know, winning takes care of itself. Um, not focusing on that, but focusing on leading um, gets you to the winning
1: so that is might be your answer to also the next side of that of the phrase lead to win in terms of leading out and leading others any anything to add to that point yeah
2: no i think it's there's some differences there you know leading out uh, to me is the ability to communicate you know what is that process or they can't lead out you know they're just going to always be running in circle you know, they may be able to get the answers right, but can they do the long math to the answer? Right. They, they've got to be able to understand the process. They've got to be able to understand really what it takes to be successful, then memorize what it takes to be successful.
1: That's powerful. Well, Brian, thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, head coach, Notre Dame football coach, Brian Kelly. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you.
2: My pleasure. Thank you, doctor.
1: wow I love sitting down and and talking with coach we have just had the opportunity to to work very closely together over the course of the last year and and you know I guess we're midway holy cow we're midway through 2018 already and so throughout the the course of this year and every time I sit down with him I'm just invigorated to continue striving for excellence to continue growing uh, as my as an individual right as a leader as an influencer as a sports psych practitioner as a mental performance coach and consultant and as a spouse, right? I mean, he just, he models excellence in everything that he does. And so I I couldn't think of a better person that I've had the honor and privilege of working with than coach Brian Kelly, uh, to share about the importance of being the example. And I think from just the stories that he told today and the examples that he gave, you can really see, um, you know, how vulnerable he was to talk about, you know, looking in the mirror and, and really being passionate about growth and improvement and always striving for a next level for him itself, but also modeling that to his assistant coaches and to to his student athletes and so again just a huge thank you coach kelly for your time today um and and hope you were all able to get a lot out of it again please follow us on all the social medias we're on uh twitter at champ mindsets instagram at Selking performance facebook at Selking Performance Group. And again, always able to shoot me an email, amber at selkingperformance.com. I'd love to hear what you're taking from these podcasts, how you're applying it to your life. And again, if we can help you, if we can come alongside of you in your journey in a one-on-one coaching relationship, I've got a team full of performance coaches that really want to engage with you at that level. So uh, we've got everybody from youth sport to elite sport mental performance coaches to life coach to leadership coach to nutrition performance coach. And um, what the process is, is you connect with me directly. We have a, a quick conversation to understand your goals and more about who you are. And then I pair you with a coach that I think is going to help you knock it out of the water. Um, so check us out, please. We'd love to join you. It's been an incredible journey here in season three. We're only going to have two more episodes left. So a brief one, just sort of uh, wrapping up what we've talked about throughout the course of season three. And then we're, we're going to end it with a, an interview with Andrew Berlin, the owner of the South Bend Cubs here in in South Bend Indiana and also uh, the the CEO of Berlin packaging a big manufacturing manufacturing company outside of Chicago so he's going to bring with us a wealth of information but again awesome day with coach Kelly I hope you got to see another side of him and hear some different insights from him again I have the privilege of being with him and, and having these dialogues with him almost every day and so for you to be able to see that side of him and hear that side of him and his heart and his mission and his purpose and his just desire to serve and to lead and And to impact uh, young men's lives. I I hope you were able to see the depth of that today. And also, you know, take away some great keys for yourself to think about what it means to be the example in in your own life, in your family, and where you show up to work every day, wherever that might be. So thank you so much for being with us today. Again, this has been your host, Dr. Amber Selkin on Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast. And from the locker room to the boardroom, I just want to challenge you to continue building your championship mindset and leading to win.
0: Prideview Medical is a patient-oriented medical healthcare organization with goals to change healthcare as we know it. By understanding the wasteful and costly healthcare system in place today, Brightview is able to create a unique opportunity that revolutionizes patient doctor visits, cuts back on costs, and increases patient satisfaction. They house all of their specialty physicians, CDC-level labs, and state-of-the-art technology in one building, providing a one-stop, patient-centered environment, which is unparalleled in today's medical field. At Brideview Medical, they don't just practice medicine, they perform it. This episode was recorded and produced by Truthwork Media. If you're interested in having a podcast, look us up at truthworkmedia.com. Truthwork Media. Everyone has a story. Yours needs a podcast.